good bit of um, oh, what's that I'm looking for? Retroactive continuity. Uh, I, I was going to say Jedi eugenics, <laughs> <laughs> space eugenics. Yeah, cross with Dianetics. Hmm. <laughs> You ever done their test over at South Bank? No. Like they're always out there. Why would, offering. I, do, why would I do that? I always think about doing it just for funsies. But then you'll get trapped. I'm so polite that I couldn't say no. Yeah. Once they're like, would you like to come in and have a coffee yeah. and give us your bank details? I'd guess I'd just be like, yeah, would you I like guess. To, would you like to tithe 90% of your income? I almost bought a book for $80 yesterday because someone was looking at me as I looked at it. What book was... What? <laughs> what book is $80? Doesn't matter. What book is $80? <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hey Brew, a podcast about beer and storytelling. Each episode, one of us brings the beer and the story with some kind of link between the two. This is episode 12. My name is Elliot. And I'm Mike. That was the most professional opening I've ever done. I thought I'd draw attention to it rather than just roll on. It's a very warm open. Yeah, you know that, um, there's that old saying in sport, when you reach the end zone, act like you've been there before. Yeah. Which is to say... When you reach the intro of the podcast episode. Well, when, when you do it right... Act like you always do it right. Yeah. Anyway. Dead air. <laughs> Mike, what's yes. going on? Uh, well, this will be day three in a row of me drinking beers. That's just, um, I'm enjoying my time not having sound, a job. Yeah. That, no, that's what that is. Oh, I was going to say, like, you make that sound like it's an unusual thing, but actually we always record on a uh, Sunday, so usually Friday, Saturday we've been drinking anyway. Yeah, yeah, although it's been, uh, we, well, we went out to Fixation's Incubator. Mm, down for in, their first birthday. Yeah, so where, check out where, the socials. Yeah, where is their actual brewery base? They're there. No, because that's like a an offshoot venue. I'm pretty sure. No, I thought they had like oh, a base of operations but, somewhere else. Well, but it might be one of those things where they have the incubator and mm. then they have a, an offsite brewery, which yeah, just supplies yeah, maybe it that's there. What it but is. I think that's there. Yeah. Okay. For in terms of um, but yeah, so they they had like a chocolate cake in the shape of a big green hop which was amazing it's pretty pretty yeah. bad we were like three beers in and there were people walking around with plates of cake just offering it to people and i was very surprised mm, and there was a cake flavored beer which was pretty damn good oh yeah a piece of cake milkshake ipa mm. and they're 86 in cans which i was a huge fan of also yeah um yeah and then i went out last night with uh, a couple of friends to stomping ground which is one of my preferred venues in, in melbourne because it's huge and mm. the beer and food is decent i think bodriggy's going to become one of mine yeah so i nice. I am a big fan, especially like the, it's like a huge converted warehouse and it's dog friendly mm. everywhere. Whereas some places it's like, oh, dogs are okay outside, but don't bring them inside because of the food regulations and whatever. Yeah. But they don't seem to give a shit and I'm into it. It's because front end's purpose, it still looks like a fucking warehouse. Yeah, outside. true. Have you been to um, Mjolnir? No, but I suddenly forgot what I was going to ask you halfway through the, the, the Viking restaurant, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going there next weekend for my birthday. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So a friend of mine speaks very highly of it. So mm. enjoy. I plan to. I've been meaning to go there for a while. Mm. Well, I've only just started going to Whiskey and Ailment. Um, and I've started going there a little bit recently. That's mm. great. Mm. Um, what was I going to say? So beer news. I have mm. some beer news for you. Oh, go on. There's an announcement yesterday that VB will be changing the way it does things. Yeah. I, I saw a headline about some cryptic announcement, but I didn't actually... Uh, chase it up to find out what that was. What is happening? Well, I, I assume that's partly because neither of us drink VB nor care usually. Well, no, but like I, I look at enough beer stuff on my phone that it saw fit to recommend that oh, yeah. article to me. Well, same. That's how I found out. <laughs> but I, what I mean is not, it, it's more that that's why probably you didn't chase it up because mm. nobody cares. Mm. But they're not changing the recipe or anything. They're going 100% solar. Wow. Who owns VB? Who produces it? Yeah. Is it CUB? Good question. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. Weird, weird that it's just like one beer and not a larger production facility or something. Well, I think it's... Unless they have a bunch of stuff under that banner. I'm pretty sure it's CUB. Uh, yeah. So it might be that VB's done in a particular place or it might mm. be saying like they're going to offset enough to be to cover the entirety of the run of VB production or something. Yeah, okay. Which is, you know, that's a statistical thing. And that's I mean, like, you know, whatever. Good on them. They produce a lot of VB. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's, that's the only reason I brought it up because yeah. not that I care about VB, but, but I do care about the environment, number mm. one. And also I thought that was a pretty cool thing that they were doing. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, like you say, they produce a lot of VB. So if they're offsetting that enough energy to do that, yeah. awesome. Because brewing is pretty energy intensive. Yeah. Um, good on them, yeah. I guess. Like. Very ready to get to say this. Good on you, Victoria Bitter. <laughs> Did that feel weird saying that? I remember the first time I ever had Victoria Bitter, and it was in a place in Cambridge. Okay. It was Australia Day. Yeah. Um, 
uh, what we now consider to be Invasion Day. Yeah. And um, they had an Australia party at um, a place called Fat Cow or something like that um, uh, in, in Cambridge City Centre. And they had VB mm. in bottles. And we were like, oh, we'll give this a try. And we all sort of like, I, I feel like pretended to like it because mm. it was a novelty. And looking back, it's VB. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, first time I had it, uh, this was back when I was in uni. Um, it was like the first time I ever did sort of a beer tasting thing. Some friends of mine had organized it and they were... Why are you telling me this? Yeah, they're part of like a... Uh, so stop. An old, <laughs> no, <laughs> the people at home might like to <laughs> might like to hear this because um, I was taken aback by the whole experience. Um, yeah, so it was people that were like sort of around the Frisbee community and they were a bit older, so they were more experienced with beer and they were hosting it. Um, and we're doing blind tasting and people are taking notes throughout the session of each beer and sort of things they liked and, and all that. And by the end of it, the unanimous favorite was Victoria Bitter. And I oh, cannot believe it. Yeah. I forgot the punchlines of that. Yeah. Oh, shitting Jesus. <laughs> like some people brought like decent beer that we could, you know, find at the time. It was like early, uh, probably been close to like 2010 or something. Probably early days of like garage projects and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would have been around the, the time I, I had my first Garage Project beer, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that was a weird experience. Yeah, that sounds um, fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I guess that's my beer news. Mm. <laughs> so what have we... Uh, t- today, I'm off the hook, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still recovering from the hangover, which is um, Motley Crue. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to say, like, two days old. No, no, no. I'm still recovering from the hangover, which is my hangover. Uh-huh. Um, so, so, it's Mike's episode today. Yes, it is. Um, I did have uh, one more thing. Maybe to put a beep in here, actually, because I, I meant to play this for you before we started. Mm. But I wanted to tell you another beer podcast-related thing. Oh. I patronize a podcast called This Paranormal Life. I've heard of it. Excellent. That was the end of that. No. <laughs> oh, I spend money. And um, they do patron shout-outs at the end of the episode. So mine's finally come through. Oh, no. What have you done? So what they do is they take your name, and then they usually riff on your name. Okay. And I recorded mine using the voice recorder on my phone yeah. while listening to it from my phone. So it's not the best quality. Okay. But I want you to listen to this because I, I think it's quite funny for the pod. That's right. Rum, whiskey, tequila. The whole party is there when you're around, brother. So grab a couple bottles and let's become spirits. I want to drink till we die. I think he has a drinking problem, to be honest. Oh, but well, he, he's always like, even if it's like the middle of the day, he's already, he's been on it since his spirits, and his spirits are high. Started with it? some Beerios, worked his way through lunch. I asked him what he was doing the other day at 11 a.m., drunk off his ass. He said there's no laws when you're drinking claws. <laughs> so you keep saying it's a curse, but uh, it's not. It's it's actually a quite a serious affliction that we can't help you with. Thanks also to... Wow. So that was my Patreon shout out Holy from shit. some people that don't know me, have never met me and never interacted with me. They, except for like a couple of Facebook comments. very on brand. Alarmingly accurate. I, would, I don't I, know what to do with this. I thought somehow you'd like managed to swing a podcast mention and it felt like it was about to get to that no. about three or four times. It's just, it was just perfect. And I was like, there's uh, no laws when you're drinking claws. Holy shit. Dude, I saw a great tweet from like the Pennsylvania police or something. The state police, and it's like, just to reiterate, there are definitely still laws when you're drinking claws. <laughs> but yeah, so that was, um, wow. that happened to me on Tuesday this week. I nearly crashed the car laughing. It was, uh, I was very happy. Drunk off his ass at 11 a.m. Yeah, so that that that's me. Started off with some Beerios. So they were talking about Beerios the week before. It's just beer on Cheerios. I can't remember what the point of it was, but yeah. That's then rough. when my name came up and they were like, started off with some Beerios, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> these people have done their research. Yeah, have they found me? Anyway, mm. so that aside, Mike, you're up this week. I Ooh, am. Sorry, that sounded a lot clearer. Mike, you're up this week. Yeah. Um, tell us. What are we? What are we drinking? I don't know why I'm doing this. Sorry, tell us what are we drinking, and wow. um, what else is going on? Well, today I didn't segue very well into that. I don't That's know right. how we normally uh, do. I was it. just going to keep rolling, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, so this this time uh, we've got a beer from Wilson's Brewing, uh, Wilson Brewing Company, sorry, in uh, Albany, 
Albany, Albany, Western Australia. Uh, oh, not Albany, Northern New York. No. Oh. Albany. Albany? Oh, it's, <laughs> it's uh, a Utica expression. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> um, it is called the Lost Sailor. I'm going to get that bell, by the way, at yeah, some point. Yeah, we probably should. Uh, so we've got the Lost Sailor from Wilson Brewing. Uh, it is a dark ale. Uh, and the reason we've got the Lost Sailor is today I will be telling you the story of Prime Minister Harold Holt. Which if you're not Australian nor live in Australia, you're in for a wild ride. Yeah, I, I will... A little bit of foreshadowing by... We'll get to the beer in a sec, but a little bit of foreshadowing. He is most known for disappearing into the ocean. Mm. And now we're going to open these beers. <laughs> that feels dark. It's a dark is this ale. the darkest episode we've done? Maybe. Ooh. This is the darkest timeline. Um, I, I, guess, I guess we'll see. Which is a lively one, Captain. Mm. How big are these cans? Standard can size. <laughs> How small is this glass? Standard pint size. I don't know. <laughs> how, how did a 330ml can fit into a pint glass completely full? Uh, what the hell just happened? Dark magic is afoot. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> this is chaos magic, baby. It's all about manifesting. And I've manifested more beer than there is beer. Yeah, 375 mils. I don't know how this a weird. Happened. These are weird glasses. They're, they're reverse TARDIS glasses, or they're TARDIS cans. Shall we taste this beer then? Yes. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, I'm into it. Mm. Ooh, I'm into it. Um, dark and roasty with hints of cocoa. Lost Sailor is a true favorite of the Wilson Brewing Company. Mm. Don't get left behind. Well, that's yeah. slightly ominous. but Yeah, like I'm not super familiar with like dark ale as a style. But definitely like um, that sort of roasty sort of malt flavor. Yeah. Very, very present. Mm. I guess the difference between a dark ale and a stout is probably something around the lines of like carbonation. Because it feels like it's a bit more sparkling than yeah. a stout. But I don't... I don't know enough about brewing processes to, to confirm that. It's not quite black, but it is a very dark red, which some stouts mm. are as well. So I, I, genuinely, I'm not sure. But... <laughs> Very pleasant. Mm. Yeah, really, really quite tasty. I'm definitely getting that, like, cocoa, that like, burnt edge to it, sort of thing like that. It's yeah, not... there's, like, something right on the end of that aftertaste that is almost like a mild lingering sweetness. Yeah. Which might be that sort of cocoa that they're referencing on the can, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's really nice, because sometimes that, that bitter edge there just, just lingers, there. and it's just like... Mm. Yeah, it feels like you've just been hanging out next to a campfire, and yeah. everything smells like smoke. Which admittedly I love. Yeah, I, well, I love it. And then the next morning I'm like, oh, all of these clothes smell bad. I need yeah. to wash them immediately. Totally fair. But yeah. um, no, really enjoying that. And yeah, I do like that like quite sweetness towards the end there. Mm. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I don't know Wilson's Brewing. No, I've, I've, I've had this beer before um, once. Mm. I don't think I've had anything else from them, but... It might yeah, be one of those decent. ones that just doesn't seem to make it out of WA. Because there's, there's be right, plenty yeah. of stuff in Australia like... Like Felons Brewing. Mm. Um, I was there recently for work. Mm. Long story. Um, I don't think I've ever seen their stuff outside of Queensland. Yeah, even even a couple of breweries up in like the Yarra Valley can be hard to find. Yes, yeah, and absolutely. We're not that far away from that. No. Uh, speaking of which, I drove up to Hargroves Hill in Yarra Glen a couple of weeks ago. Mm. And they've closed the pub. And oh. I was gutted. Really? Uh, I literally went there for some food there because yeah. it's great. And, um, well, no, that's not true. I went to buy jam off the man that stands at the side of the road. It's kind of hard you to explain. You a man about some jam. Yeah. I bought some black pudding from him and some spicy salami. And I wow. had some black pudding and eggs this morning for breakfast. And it was fucking banging. Yeah. Um, very British of you. Yeah, I thought so. And I ate them stood up in my dressing gown. Um, <laughs> Holding a tea in the other hand. Um, I did have a massive cup of tea to start there the day. Um, but yeah, so... Yeah, it was very gutted to find out that it wasn't there anymore. And apparently mm. the Royal Hotel on the road, who or, or Regal, or whatever it's called, that we went to, which is actually fine as well. Mm. We went there and they were like, oh yeah, they've closed it down to focus on the brewing. Which yeah, I'm like... that That's all well and good. That's a legitimately beer, if, good reason. Yeah, but like if the beer actually gets distributed so, further afield. So I am seeing more and more of it. So okay. there's a place that's opened up uh, a little while ago, and it's taken me a little while to get there, called Black Sheep in uh, Burwood Road, just okay. up the road from the office. Oh, yeah. And um, the new proprietor, Luke, um, who is a big fan of Inner North Brewing, as it happens. Huh. Um, it's all coming together. Yeah. Uh, he has a few Hargo stuff on tap, and there's some amazing stouts they've been doing, like um, 
uh, Russian milk stouts Ooh. and like um, All right. yeah stuff like mm. that. But that's worth mentioning. That Black Sheep, he's um, he's looking at some really cool stuff for the um, for the I guess space the pub I want to call it. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely worth us having a look at because I went okay. down later the night for a quick pint or two and it was really good. And then yeah, the stuff he's got planned sounds fucking awesome. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Sick. Quite keen to spend a bit more time there, especially since walking distance from the office. And Very you know handy. what? It's not. It's not easy to get drunk near work. <laughs> <laughs> really is. Free beer on site and bars nearby. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho, Anyhow, um, any other thoughts on this beer before we uh, jump into the tales? No, I can see me slipping this one down quite quickly. Yeah, it, it is words. like you know, as much as it's a a darker beer with like some sort of more, I guess, robust flavors. Mm. Um, it is pretty easy to drink. Yeah, it's, you know, it's you, going you, down. Really often, well. often you find like dark beers, and and that can can be a bit like it's they, heavy. They, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a fight. It's it's like it's a heavy uh, mouthfeel, uh, but also some of the flavors can be quite strong and heavy, and that mm. can make it harder to sort of get through them. Yeah, this one isn't coating my mouth. It's also not coating my stomach. So mm. I, I feel I feel like I probably could drink a few of these to be honest. Mm. All right, probably won't. Well, on the pod, we'll see. <laughs> I might. Shall we sail away with me? Oh, let's. So yeah, like I mentioned before, we're going to talk about Prime Minister Harold Holt. Uh, I'm, I'm going to like I'm going to go into a little bit of his political career because it's worth mentioning. There's some there's some good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, then we get to the juice. Yeah, but on, honestly, a lot of this is going to be sort of the events around his his disappearance. Um, and they're they're just wild. Uh, anyway, so like. He he seems to you know the the little bit of research I was doing yesterday. Um, it seems like he largely kept a pretty low profile and just kind of got on with it. Um, you know he he was politically active sort of near World War Two, so there's mm. there's a lot of stuff sort of going on around that time. Okay, um, uh, you might cover this, but when was he at GPM? Uh, Mid sixties, I think. It okay, is. yeah. Um, so like, just I'm trying to timeline of sort of Viet- vietnam war sort of time frame which is going to be a, a part of the story okay yeah so i'm just trying to sort of back timeline australian mm-hmm. um prime ministers uh i think i think it was right before gough whitlam i was going to say it sounds like it's pre-whitlam yeah um and then after whitlam there's a couple of conservatives by the sounds of things and then it was yeah I, I paul keating or don't, something don't super know this bob well hawk yeah um anyway. yeah the late so, great bob hawk yeah um, but yeah, he he generally seemed like a pretty you know decent man as far as politicians go, um, mm-hmm. especially considering sort of the the tense political climate. But yeah, he he was the the youngest member of parliament when when he joined, uh, age of twenty seven. Which like I'm turning thirty in a week, yeah, and I, I haven't done feel anything. Very yeah. adequate, <laughs> more than usual. Yeah. Um, so I, in, you say, and I haven't done anything, not anything quite like of <laughs> note like that, and I haven't done anything like, yeah. hey we have a 12 episode pod 11 and a half episode podcast something like that yeah we have n listeners <laughs> oh, we oh, have at least n plus one yeah okay because yeah. i listen to it so do i do yeah there we go we got at least two um yeah so in 1941 this was like obviously well before his time as prime minister uh he sponsored and oversaw um the child endowment act getting uh through uh, which was a universal social security payment to parents. Okay. Yeah, I, I could see the look on your face. Child endowment sounds like a, a really difficult term. Um, but he was, as a result of this, labelled, quote-unquote, the godfather to a million Australian children. Because it was essentially... I, I think like, I have heard that. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty rough time, obviously, in 1941. But it was basically like, you're a parent, you need some extra money to sort of help you get through. Um. He had a pretty strong performance as the Minister for Labour and National Service um, across the course of 1949 to 1958. Uh, he took the number of working hours lost to strikes from t- over 2 million down to about 439,000. So like a huge Holy reduction dicks. just through like, you know, better interactions and relationships with like labour groups and unions and things like that. Yeah, fair play. Didn't, didn't have to crack any heads. Well, I mean, that might have happened. I don't have that in my notes, though. <laughs> you got the Pinkertons in. Yeah. Um, yeah, so all of that was before he became Prime Minister in 1966. Mm-hmm. Um, he, 
he did increase Australia's commitment to the Vietnam War, which is not so good. The the bits I've learned recently about the Vietnam War, it's not a great idea. Well, uh, but the, anyway. the, it, look, I don't know if this is the podcast to no. sort out the nitty gritty of you know no. what is a just war, but I think that we can all sort of readily agree that it, it was one historically of the- our countries have been loath to uh, have been. Um, enthusiastic about supporting American foreign policy yeah. in ways that potentially we may come to regret. Yeah, it was like the Vietnam War in particular was like one of those ones where if you were involved with the American side of it, it was pretty controversial in, mm. a, in a number of um, social circles, I guess. Um, he oversaw, you know, the Americans during his time in office, he oversaw the, con- the conversion of Australia to using decimal currency. Oh, yeah, right on. Yeah, so getting off the pound. Wow, was that only post-war? Yeah, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember it being, like, sort of 1968 or 1960-something or like that. Mm, I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, introduced the Migration Act of 1966, which effectively dismantled the white Australia policy. Yeah, so awesome. All-around good idea. Mm. Um, he also, the last one I've got here is that he called the 1967 referendum which removed the discriminatory clause in the Australian Constitution, which was uh, excluding Aboriginal Australians from being counted in the census. Hmm. Um, but that actually got like 90% of the country voting in favour, or 90% of the electorate, rather. Oh, right, voting yeah. in favour to scrap it. Yeah. Yeah, um, fair enough. So, yeah, some, some good notes in there. There's obviously like a huge amount of detail I've left out because it's not really the, the story that we're all here for. Um, but I thought, you know, it'd be disingenuous to... To leave some of that out. All right. So that that's kind of like a... That's a brief snapshot of some of It's a brief look at yeah. his his work as a politician. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're into, I guess, the, the reason that everybody has heard of Harold Holt, which is the events leading up to and surrounding his disappearance. The much juicier stuff, let's yeah. be honest. Um, so the, the, the date that he disappeared was uh, 17th of December, 1967. Um, it, it happened sort of near Portsea down in Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, where is that? It's like down sort of Great Ocean Roadway. Yeah, towards Great Ocean Roadway. Um, there was a huge search operation around Cheviot Beach, which is the, the beach where they went swimming at the time that he, uh, disappeared. Uh, but the body was never recovered. Um, actually like small note, uh, I've got it up here. Uh, when I was looking for stuff on this, uh, I came across the National Archives of Australia which has an entire page dedicated to like records around these events. Oh yeah. And it's hundreds of pages of documents and like official government letters and all this sort of stuff. And it includes things like, you know, official reports of the disappearance, expressions of sympathy from diplomats and heads of state, uh, records of political events following the disappearance, like newspaper headlines about the whole thing. He, he, can I just, he wasn't PM at the time, was he? Uh, yeah, he was. Oh, he was. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Um, and one of the one of the more interesting things in the National Archives uh, section there was there was an Indian mystic's claim, like correspondence, written correspondence, was a Indian mystic's claim to have knowledge about whereabouts of his body, and it was like they're literally like talking about this as if it's a real thing that needs to be taken seriously. Yeah, right on. It was pretty wild. This um, is like some murder cases. Still, people get psychics in in the court. It's yeah, like, get the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so search operation Cheviot Beach, never found the body. Uh, he was eventually declared dead in absentia. So essentially, like, couldn't, yeah. couldn't find any trace of him. So we might as well just say he's dead. Um, there was a memorial service held five days later. So that's like December 22. It's right before Christmas. God and they fucking had, Merry Christmas, the yeah, Holtz. And they had all of these, like, foreign diplomats and political leaders and stuff actually fly in for the service. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's just actually wild. Think about it. Like, can you imagine if it... I mean, if a prime minister disappeared, yeah, just in, <laughs> that's what just, happened. Just imagine, just can you imagine in your wildest dreams, hypothetically, that just just so picking a prime minister, uh, Scott Morrison, yeah, at random. Just imagine if just a random like that, Scott Morrison. Just imagine if if Scott Morrison, for example, tomorrow just just wasn't wasn't there. there. <laughs> what would the world be like? Oh, no, Peter Dutton would be probably Prime Minister, so... Yeah, like, there's the succession planning on that is not great. Anyway. Imagine tomorrow <laughs> if Peter Dutton just wasn't there. <laughs> but what about the old pairs? 
<laughs> How are they going to get visas? Uh, this this is turning into a very political yeah. moment on the podcast. Yeah, I'm very into it. Let's uh, let's step back. Smash the system, children. Yeah. Um. So part of the reason why, like this whole, Hang on, I just don't. Can I just? Yeah. I don't want ASIO to kick out. Wait, no, not ASIO. What's the civil yeah. secret service company? Yeah, yeah. It, that's them. I think. What's the science one? CSIRO. CSIRO. <laughs> I don't want ASIO to come and kick the door down, partly because it's Mike's door. And also it would imply that we have listeners in greater positions of power than we realized. <clears throat> All listeners. <laughs> we are in no way involved in any activity which may or may not cause... No, which... May, <laughs> what, we what are, are in no way involved in any activity leading towards <laughs> the sudden disappearance of any political figures or leaders in Australia. Do not come and kick our door down. This was a hypothetical joke. This this feels like, you know, when like all of the Facebook privacy stuff pops up and people put those claims up, like you cannot use my photos without my permission. That's what that felt like. <laughs> Same energy. <laughs> and they quote things like the Rome statute. No one knows what that is. I am a boomer, essentially. <laughs> yes. Anyhow. Sorry, go on talking about the disappearance of political leaders. Yeah. Um, so part of the, like one of the factors why this was kind of like so surprising and um, and all that was that he was a keen outdoorsman, had a beach house down at Portsea and like was an avid spear fisherman, like spent a lot of time in the ocean and was quite confident. You know, he was introduced to spear fishing in 1954 and then it became his preferred vacation activity. So he had experience by I, 1967. I'm liking him more and more. Yeah. This is just pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know why this was included, but this is like I, the, no, notes about his spear fishing tactics. Yeah, fuck yeah, I want to hear those. Yeah. This is like how every time I think about how much I don't like Vladimir Putin, you can see the way this is going. But every time I don't like Vladimir Putin, <laughs> then I see a picture of him like hunting on a horseback with a bow and arrow, and I'm like, yeah. he's pretty fucking cool, though. Yeah. Um, so he, he wore a wetsuit so that he could fish year-round. Uh, and he preferred... What, what, a, what a pussy. Well, he preferred skin diving or snorkeling as he found air tanks to be too much of a hassle. So like not, not scuba diving or anything. Jesus. Um, but apparently, once he had speared a fish, he would unzip, unzip his wetsuit, place it inside while it's still bleeding, so that he could just keep fishing. So he's like, put a put a fish in his wetsuit, zipped it back up, and he's just like, going to keep going. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which, yeah, but also, can I just say, mm. Australia is a country which is known for several of its large animals. Yep. Crocodiles. Kangaroos, mm-hmm. emus, cassowaries, yeah, sharks. Oh yeah, they're in there. Yeah. If I was to say try and bait sharks, mm-hmm. what would I use? Just any kind of blood, I think. Mm, that's what I would think. Yeah. And although, like, is that definitely true that they just sniff out the blood and go straight for it? I don't think that's quite how it works, but that's yeah. how they 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 chum to get sharks. Mm. So I can't help but think that swimming around with Bleeding fish in your wetsuit. Well, it depends how good the wetsuit seal is. It's a wetsuit, not a dry suit. No, I mean like keeping the the blood inside. No, but the liquid passed through the membrane. Yeah. Shut up. Anyway, <laughs> um, I feel like that's that's just asking for. I have now theories about why he disappeared. Well, I'm sure I've, we'll hear some of I've those. I've got a list of them myself. Okay, sorry. Do anyway, go on. Tell us more about his um, fucking metal fishing. So yeah, just like to finish off, I guess the background on it. Um, People said he had uh, incredible powers of endurance underwater in terms of like... You didn't know what he's going to be incredible wow. powers of. Yes. People uh, say he had incredible powers of endurance. Of life and death. Uh, but of like fish. One, one anecdote to back that up is people said uh, during parliamentary debates, he would keep himself amused by seeing how long he could hold his breath. <laughs> you know, don't like forget staying involved and engaged in the in the debate process. He would just sit there holding his breath and timing himself. I just uh, I, I'm immediately thinking of Vladimir Putin again because have you seen that gif of him balancing a pen during the G8? Oh yeah, and it's like 0.03 seconds and yeah. new world record. Yeah, um, but also like just the idea of like there's a debate going on and you look over and. The fact that he said to keep himself amused and he's just yeah. like having a soft chuckle with a big grin on his face while he slowly yeah. turns blue. Yeah. And he's like, ha ha, four minutes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. How long can you hold your breath, do you think? Uh, I don't know, maybe like a minute. I don't, I, it's not something I time myself doing. <laughs> I think I could hold my breath for a minute and 10, but that seems like a long time. Are you saying time. that just to beat me? No, I genuinely think that's probably the upper limit. Let's not do it, because that would just be dead air. 
Now, let's show. not do it on the air. Yeah. Or we could do it on camera and just watch us both pass out onto the table. Yeah. No, let's not. Anyway, mm. let's, let's keep going with the story. Um, something something with you. Next bit is uh, sort of the, the timeline of events leading up to the, like on the day, essentially. Mm. Um, so they wrapped up the final cabinet meeting for the year on December 14, and then he flew down to Melbourne, as far as I can tell, on the same day, and then drove down to Portsea. Um, I don't know how much knowledge you have about like old Pontiacs, but apparently he drove something called a Pontiac Parisienne. It's, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get I get the feeling I do know what that is, yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, nice. he basically just, like, hung out at his beach house in Portsea doing like holiday stuff, like gardening around the house. Playing, holding his breath. Like playing tennis probably or while holding his breath, uh, spending time with his family and, you know, hanging out, just having a good time. I know? mean, I'm familiar with the concept of a holiday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then, so uh, this will be on, yeah, on the 17th of December, so the day he... Uh, disappeared uh it was about 11 11 or so a.m they went out to port nepean uh with a few friends um, yeah by the way i'm starting to think this is on the um peninsula port sea uh uh maybe i don't know i'd have to look at a map i haven't done that i really feel like i should know this but i think i think it's yeah i think point nepean and okay that i saw on the arse end of the peninsula okay um near melbourne we'll say that mm. yeah uh yeah so they were hoping to see there was a uh solo circumnavigator by the name of Alec Rose, who was, you know, trying to sail around the world. Uh, and that was sort of around the time he was predicted to pass into Port Phillip Bay. So we're just hoping to get a look at this. Have a bit of a squeeze. This madman sailing around the, mm. around the earth. Um, but it turns out that, like, on the day it wasn't actually that visible. So they just left not long after that. Um, and on the way back, uh, Holt suggested that they stop at Cheviot Beach for a swim. Uh, it was about midday, and he he wanted to apparently cool down and work he up just an appetite. Fucking for lunch. loves a swim. Well, he's yeah. just he's looking out the window, and making little paddling motions. Yeah. Like. Um, he he knew the area well, and basically just like made a beeline for the water. Um, despite he's a, a golden retriever. Well, yeah, despite a large swell and visible currents, like in the, in the water there. Yeah. Um, there was only one other person that actually went swimming. Um, person by the name of Alan Stewart. Everybody else thought it was too unsafe, <laughs> which. Uh, and so it's like if you can't trust the Prime Minister of Australia who yeah. can you trust um, I'm going to take this to me a local member of parliament <laughs> good give him the boot um, so how is this the first time that uh, Australia episode the Simpsons reference has come up on the episode on the podcast well, anyway yeah. do Prime Minister um, Andy <laughs> so Stuart actually stayed close to shore and even there felt a strong undertow uh, in the shallows uh, but Holt just swam out further, and because of the currents and that, got dragged out to sea. Um, it's like he never. Well, I was about to say like, it's like he never had education at school about riptides, but almost certainly, which is apparently an Australian thing. But I realised he almost certainly didn't yeah. at his age. Um, Come you know, on, Harold. The people that he, the the people that he was there with, you know, they called out to him, um, but he didn't raise his arms or cry for help or anything like that. And then he slipped under the waves, out of sight. And that was the last time anyone saw Harold Holt, Prime Minister of Australia at the time. That is fucking wild. Yeah. Like, like when, when the theory, when we get to the theories here, like the fact that he didn't like signal anything or that, that, that bit's a bit weird. Because mm. like he's experienced in the water. He would probably know the situation he's in and it's not quite right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, yeah. That's the thing that's a little bit mind blowing straight off the bat. Mm. He is a, he is an experienced swimmer mm. and obviously a very confident one. One that can, and does, hold his breath for amusement. Mm. Um, yeah. Mike, can you think of any conspiracy theories as to why Harold Holt well, went missing? <laughs> Sorry. As you can see from the notes in front of me. I've got six theories. Oh, I'm so excited by this. Okay. Uh, so, Holt's disappearance, obviously, like, it's it's wild enough already, and it's definitely a part of Australian folklore, and uh, <laughs> apparently, I didn't, I'd never heard this before, but to do a Harold Holt is rhyming slang for to bolt, which is to exit quickly. Mm. <laughs> it strikes me as, are you familiar with the phrase, an Irish goodbye? Yeah, I've heard Irish exit, English exit. Yeah, when um, you just smoke bomb, basically. Yeah, you, basically you don't leave. mention that you're leaving. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, there's a, there's a number of conspiracy theories, uh, and most of them involve claims of government cover-ups, because of course they do. Phenomenal. That's awesome. Uh, so theory number one that I've got here is that he was assassinated by the CIA okay. of, of America. So I'm going to need a few things. Yep. I'm going to need a motive. Yep. I'm going to need a method. Yeah, cool. Uh, so and the, I guess one other thing, because I had a few rather than two. So the uh, I'll read through what I've got here, and then you can tell me if there's still gaps. We're going to pick it apart. Uh, maybe. So, so the year before uh, Holt's disappearance, the leader of the opposition party uh, named Arthur Corwell uh, survived an assassination attempt by a student at an anti-conscription rally. So that's point number one. So, there, so there's already like threats around the time against the members of government and things mm. like that. After Holt's death, the police found what looked like a bullet hole in a window of the prime minister's office. Uh, which, you know, adds to an assassination kind of theory. Mm. Uh, and supposedly the reason for this is that he intended to pull Australia out of the Vietnam War. And the CIA mm. being We're American. not in favor of that. Yeah. So that's theory number one. Okay. So, let me get this straight. The opposition leader was attacked by a student mm. uh, at a student rally. That That's more just like... Background context. flavor. Yeah, I'm just trying to thing. work out. Okay. Okay. It's basically, yeah, Americans didn't want Australia pulling out, so they... Well, that's a fucking bad phrase. Um, Australia... Yeah, pulled out. Or didn't no, want... I don't know. America didn't want Australia to... Remove their Whip troops. it out of <laughs> Vietnam. Yeah. To come outside of Vietnam. Yes. With their troops. To remove their semen from the... Do you, do you have any more war. questions or should we move on? No, no. Um, hang on. Just taking that one in okay. and thinking about dick jokes some more. Mm. So... Number th two. Theory number two is that he was killed by the North Vietnamese. So the other side of the Vietnam conflict. Mm. The Viet Minh. Mm. Um, and this one didn't have a lot of details that I could easily find, but basically it was apparently after being in incapacitated by a nerve agent. I don't know how they managed that in the ocean, but that's what it said. Uh, and a, and it might have been a botched kidnapping, is the way the, the theory goes. Yeah, right. Now I'm imagining um, Vietnamese frogmen. Oh, frog, I, I was going to say the word frogmen later, and I wasn't sure if you'd understand it, but I'm glad that you've said it first. Um, contextually, for anyone who doesn't know what a frogman is. It's a, a tactical scuba diver. Yes, there you go. Uh, so I'm imagining them, and for some reason in my head, blowpipe which I realize so badly doesn't work, A, underwater, yeah. or B, You have to like nor, come up for air and then blow Yeah, nor can you blow. <laughs> and also, on top of that, how do you get into your mouth? You've got a mask on? Yeah. <laughs> Wait. In the scuba. Uh, no, in the... In the, the snorkel? Snorkel. Yeah. And they just turn it. the snorkel down. Yeah. Yeah. Let's if it would be like... And then the dart would be like... It's basically a snorkel, but it's a potato gun. Yes. Yeah. Theory number three. That he faked his own death to be with a lover. I don't have anything else to go with that. That's just I mean, one I, of the theories. I, I like that, though, because, I mean, that would be saucy. plausible saucy. and saucy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's a very talented and strong swimmer, obviously. Yeah. For him to suddenly be like, oh, no, I'm lost at sea. <laughs> it's both plausible in some ways because you're like, well, he did love the ocean. But then, like, it's a head scratcher. If, if he did it himself, it makes sense mm. because it's a head scratcher. But then also, like, well... Shit, I was about to say, how did he get out of that? But the thing is, we've already established that he can... Hold and, his breath. Yeah, and enjoys holding his breath. Yeah, he does he it for fun. He goes under, swims where? Uh, laterally for yeah. a while. Okay. Pops up on another beach. Well, just... They're going to be looking out there. All he's got to do is pop his head up, get a bit more air. Back under for a bit further. If he does that for two, three times, mm. he could be like 50 meters away. That might be enough. That could, yeah, it could yeah. be plenty. And then, as you said, he knew this beach area very well. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Theory number four is that he just committed suicide. Um, this this one honestly mm. like has pretty been it's pretty widely been dismissed by people that actually knew him. Um, it you know it seemed pretty out of character, even considering all the you know post World War Two political issues at the time. Um, there were claims of depression or mental instability, um, but again, like people that knew him pretty widely rejected it. Um, you know, pointing to things like his commitment to his family, um, his you know joy that he took in his life, mm. um, and plans that he had 
made for the coming year. Uh, one of the quotes here, which is just like very crisp. Uh, if somebody is planning to jump off a cliff, they are not at the same time planning to have a major cabinet review of the direction that Australia is taking. So they're basically saying like, why would you put all this like very intense political plans in motion if you were planning something like this? So I'm trying to be careful about uh, my approach to this one because mm. like the other stuff, the other stuff about the disappearance of and death of a man is obviously mm. something I can mock, but suicide I'm a little bit more cautious about. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually going to say that I actually think that that's not really a good, accurate No, this reasoning. is just like a quote at yeah. the time, and I thought it was like kind of on the nose yeah, for the whole thing. I, I think, I think it's, a, it's a good enough quote and stuff like that. But I actually think that's an interesting thing is that people who have committed suicide quite regularly will be like, oh, yeah, so like they'll make plans for the coming weeks and then mm. just be like, now. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's kind of a mad thing, really. Mm. But yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, sorry, go on to one that I can take the piss yeah. out of again. Well, Theory 5... Um, the penultimate theory that I have listed uh, is just accidental drowning, which honestly is probably what happened. That's not so much of a theory as probably just what yeah. happened. Yeah, uh, That's why I put it second to last, mm. uh, because it's not funny. Theory number six. No, no it is a bit funny. Well, <laughs> like, it's kind of, yeah, this, this, I am laughing at this, a man's death again. Yeah, this renowned swimmer just drowned. Well, so there's a... Um um a dramatic irony in that the the man who made jogging popular mm-hmm. in the 70s uh sort of brought it into craze mm. it was a french doctor or french professor or something mm-hmm. um i'm going to go with professor le jog um <laughs> almost yeah. certainly his name yeah and um he died of a jogging induced heart attack <laughs> uh, what do you okay when you say jogging induced was it literally while he was jogging yes amazing yeah he dropped dead Jogging. But jogging is, it's slow running. How, I don't know what you want from me. How did that stress I don't know what you want from me. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like I didn't, it wasn't, yeah. this wasn't a character that I wrote. Okay. That's, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on, that's good. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> All right, theory number six. The last one I have here. Besmirch the good name of Professor Le Jog. Tell me that's his real name. That's his real name. Don't. Smile while you're saying that. No. Keep a straight face. No. You can't do it. Uh, happy not, man. That's not, what people know about it's me. Not a fact. Always smiling. <laughs> Theory number six. Wait, what's not a fact? The always smiling thing, happy man thing, or the Professor LeJog thing? Professor LeJog. I think all of them. But. <laughs> Shall we? All right. My last theory listed here. Harold Holt was a Chinese spy. <laughs> For some reason, I thought you were going to say Harold Holt was a Chinese submarine. <laughs> <laughs> well, which is like... Spoilers. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, eventually so but, go on yeah. tell me why he was a Chinese well, spy this is my favourite of the theories because it's just nuts um, it's popularised by a British writer by the name of Anthony Gray in 1983 in a book titled The Prime Minister Was a Spy <laughs> <laughs> Anthony I really like the first manuscript you sent through I actually think we probably could send that straight to publishing after just a couple of little uh, touch up in the draft uh, edits but um, what are you what are you thinking for a title hmm uh, I thought about Harold Holt, um, Chinese connections, or or something. Harold uh, Holt succulent Chinese meal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I'm really struggling with them. Um, I want to make it. I want to make it kind of a little obvious what the book's about, but um, <laughs> but I also want. I don't want to give the game away from the from the from, the, from the. I don't want to give everything away. So you don't want to call it Harold Holt Chinese spy. No, no, no. We could obfuscate some of that by removing the man's name and the nation. <laughs> the prime minister was a spy. Anthony, you've done it again. Yes. Uh, so he claimed in that book. <laughs> so, I was really enjoying this. Yeah, yeah. no, it was good. Uh, he claimed that Holt had been a Chinese spy for more than 20 years, had faked his own death in order to defect to China. It's and- a long way to swim. And, no, well, he was collected by frogmen who dragged him into a waiting submarine. <laughs> my God, my prescience knows no bounds. I am uh, unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, so critics of this theory, they pointed to multiple factual errors in the book, as you might guess, uh, including that it was physically impossible for a submarine to be that close to the shore. Not a miniature sub. Well, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and this this one like kind of doesn't make sense but harold holt's wife wait, Sarah, wait 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 hang on i want to do that again not a miniature sub racially tinged 
Was that the, like the jingle from I'm Turning Japanese? Uh, I don't know. The beginning of it? It was a... Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was used in the song I'm Turning Japanese. Fair enough. Anyway, the last bit of this theory that I've got... I'm running with it. I think it was, I think it was funny. Zara Holt, wife of Harold, uh, was quoted as saying her husband didn't even like Chinese food. <laughs> Which, if you think about it, the perfect cover. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, uh, Zara... <laughs> Wei Fang Holtz, Howard's wife, was quoted as saying, Bush or the Zhong Warren spy. I mean, uh, ha- Harold okay. was not. What a, did you just say? Uh, I, I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the word for spy is in Chinese. Okay, was, what was the rest of it? Uh, like as someone who has lived in. And oh, it would be he is. It, it is not a Chinese spy. Okay. Chinese person spy. Uh, I guess just to make sure people don't think ta, that. Ta Tabusha was the Zhongwu's spy. Yeah, um, and also there'd be some tones in that, so it's only correct. What sure. I just did sounded bad. I'm okay. almost certain, but yeah. Again, for the purposes of a joke, I think it was yeah. good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just in case anyone out there like speaks Mandarin or whatever, and it's like, what did you, what? Come, come on. Yeah. No, there are a few people that do listen to this that excuse me were in China with me, but speak probably about as much Mandarin as I do, mm. um, and some more so. But still, I think. For the purposes of a joke. This is neither a factual nor <laughs> Chinese language podcast. So I think I can get away with it. It's barely an English language podcast yeah, at times. Uh, so the, the last few notes I've got here are around some of the memorials. Wait, um, I'm a little disappointed that there was no paranormal uh, theories. Yeah, okay. What, what, what were you hoping for? Uh, so obviously alien abduction. Yeah, but they would have seen that. He disappeared under the water. I'm sorry. Do you think aliens that can travel through the universe, through the galaxy at near light speeds can't, ooh, I don't know, go underwater? Yes. Do you think, oh, do you think that have they you don't have- seen Independence Day? They still use Mac OS. I haven't seen Independence Day, no. <sighs> um, also, do you think that cloaking technology is not available to them? Yes. Okay, question two. <laughs> reverse vampires. What do you what is more of a Simpsons reference okay. to us, but um but like uh, Kraken. Yeah. Actual frogmen. Um What do you mean actual like half man, half frog? Yes. What are they doing with him? Doesn't Ma- matter. Making, he was making, just, they're making him the prime minister of their underwater kingdom. Exactly. Okay. Atlantis. So he's still down there. He could be an envoy to Atlantis now, but not really relaying messages except yeah, to no, the deep state. Think about it. They need a world leader. Mariana's Trench. Yeah, they need a world leader to be their envoy to the deep state. But they need a world leader that's comfortable and confident underwater. Mm. But he has to come up for air at some point. Well, no, because they would be able to provide him with, you know, the necessary technology to breathe underwater for the most part. Ah. Come on, they're a highly advanced race of Atlanteans. Yes. Or Marianarians. Maranians. Yes. Um, Trench people. (laughs) That's 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 a pejorative, and yeah, I'll have you uh, apologize for that, please. I, I, I hereby apologize to the people of the Marianas Trench for uh, my statements on this episode of Hebrew. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad we can put this dark moment behind us. <laughs> well, yeah. So, right. so, so, no, I'm genuinely impressed with all these, but I am a little bit disappointed that there wasn't more mad shit coming out of yeah. that. But still, good yeah. stuff. I think maybe people's imaginations were not running rampant at the time. I don't know. Everyone was kind of sad. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I I don't know when like all the rampant theories about like Area 51 started to take off. I don't know if this was before that time. I think we might cover it in a future episode, Mike. Wow. Potential foreshadowing. Yeah. So fun fact, um, Roswell, New Mexico was not the crash landing site of an alien um, potential crash landing site and I don't want to give too much away because I'm probably going to do an episode of it yeah. of an alien craft but actually the place was a place called Corona so it no. would fit in really well with this but it would mean we had to drink Corona and I'm not doing that we're, we're not drinking Ronies on this show Ronies <laughs> wait are you calling them Ronies because I called them Ronies I think so okay amazing <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I think that's where I picked it up it's gotta be unless you're watching Prepare to Try now anyway yeah so <clears throat> uh, you had some prepared statements I yeah, believe I've got, I've got some notes here about some of the memorials to, to Harold Holt's memory um, this, I'll be honest with you, is what I've been waiting for. Really? Are you, you know okay. why. Okay. So, uh, the f- on the first anniversary of Holt's death, there was a commemorative plaque that was <laughs> bolted to a reef at Cheviot Beach. I'm sure he wouldn't have appreciated that. Yeah, it was like us. 15 meters underwater, this though, is so like, he would be the one to find it. That's true. But also, this reminds me of when um, 
after Steve Irwin died, people were going out and killing stingrays. And it's like, were they really? Yeah. It was like, dude, he wouldn't like that. Yeah. Like, they're like, oh, this is for Steve. It's like, no, don't no. do that. No, that's not going to do anything. And also, Steve was way into not killing things. Yeah. Specifically animals. Yes. Me and Steve go way back. Hence, I just call him Steve. Mm. Um, there was a monument, uh, monuments to, to halt on the cliff above the beach. And there was one at the Melbourne General Cemetery. Fucking hell, it's a good job we didn't jump, isn't it? Well, there's one at the Melbourne General Cemetery, cemetery uh, with the inscription, "He loved the sea," which is the a sea bit loved on, him too. It's a bit on the nose. A little too much. Yeah, it held on a little too tight. The sea loved too hard. It's it's a little bit um, of not is it of mice and men? Um, oh yeah, Lenny. Lenny, yeah. yeah. Just loved the bunny too much. Yes. Uh, in 1969, the U.S. Navy launched a ship that they called the USS Harold E. Holt. The U.S. did? Yeah, U.S. Navy. Um, and uh, it's like one of a handful of ships they've named after foreign leaders. Hmm. There's not many of them. I really hope there's a Queen Elizabeth. There probably is. I doubt that. No, they're, not, they're not big fans of the yeah. royal. Actually, fuck that. American people love the royal family. Yeah. Uh, so this next one's one of my favorites. In March of 1969, uh, in Melbourne suburb of Glen Iris. Here it is. This, this, is, this is the payoff. <laughs> Uh, they opened the Harold Holt Memorial Swimming Center. <laughs> Which is fucking gold. It's like, so if you good. think about it, it's actually quite good because he's, you know, a big swimming fan. But surface level, no pun intended, fucking amazing. Yeah. So, like, it, like just... that, that was under construction uh, at the time of his death. Uh, and the Malvern City Council, like the local council for that part of town, they voted to name it in his honor, mm. um, partly because he was their local member of parliament. So it's actually like a mm. kind of fitting tribute, but it's just very ironic. Yeah, it's fair enough. Uh, no, it's re- uh, look, it's very nice, but mm. it's very funny. Yeah. Uh, the Australian Army dedicated a swimming pool to his memory as well. Fantastic. The Harold Holt Memorial Pool at their base in Vung Tau, Vietnam. I'm doing my best on that pronunciation, uh, which is also a bit on the nose considering the Vietnam theories and the whole ocean thing. Yeah, they're <laughs> hardcore. Yeah. Um, also, I'm really glad again that it's not me doing the struggle with pronunciation. As I was I, writing up next episode, there's a lot of foreign words in it, and I was like practicing my pronunciation today. Yeah, I did. Uh, when I came across that name, I did uh, find the bit on Wikipedia where it has the pronunciation. You mm. just play the MP3 back. Nice. Yeah. Would have been great if you just had that pre-recorded there, and you were like in. Fong Pao. Yeah. yeah. In <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> Good night, Springsteen. There will be no encore. Don't know why it made me think of that. I oh, should have made me think of the Atlanta Falcons. Yes. Just two um, Simpsons references. So the last one I have here is from 1988. Uh, rugby league commentator Jack Gibson uh, said that waiting for Cronulla to win a grand final is like leaving a porch light on for Harold Holt. Fucking hell. We're not done. Over the following 30 years... Uh, opposition fans taunted Cronulla uh, by waving posters of Holt's face. Fucking hell. And dressing up in wetsuits. And then they eventually won their first premiership in 2016. <laughs> I love that because the Sharks possibly yeah. also now currently feasting on Harold Holt. Maybe. So amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's actually a really great... Um, Little cherry on that cake because I yeah. knew about the swimming pool, obviously, because the swimming pool is kind of famous well, in Melbourne. Yeah, so like, and uh, it's hilarious. As as someone who's only lived in Melbourne for six years and was not like brought up on Australian history in any way, Mm-mm. I had certainly heard about parts of this story before. And then I was like driving somewhere with someone maybe a few months ago, and I saw the street sign which pointed to Harold Holt Memorial Swimming Centre, and I went, "Wait, what the fuck? <laughs> is that a real place?" Yeah, it's so good. Uh, it's like the JFK Memorial Shooting Range. Is that a real thing? No. <laughs> oh, God. I was going to say, like, given all this, I could believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she could too. Yeah. Oh, man. This yeah. does remind me I drove past. Do you know who the actor Alan Dale is? I don't think so. Yeah, never mind then. <laughs> it's a non-start. Well, good. Uh, so that brings <laughs> us to the end of the Harold Holt story in terms of, like, the stuff that I was bothered to put together for the show. Yeah. There's fantastic. probably a lot more that I'm missing that might add flavor here and there. But, yeah, that, I think I did all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased. I think, um, <laughs> like, there's, like, the request for validation there. Um, no, that was very good, Michael. I'm very entertained. Thank you, um, Elliot. Would you like to, would you care to share with me your most believable and most fanciful theories? About mm-hmm. all of this? Yeah. Um, no, just just in general. Yes, no, uh, on Harold Holt's appearance. I mean, the most believable is just that, like, he got 
dragged under by some of the currents. Like, yeah, that, that one seems to make the most sense to me. It does to me. I mean, because like it, a, it, it, the, would, it wouldn't take much for him to like get enough water in his lungs that he's you know done for basically. Mm. If if he's being dragged out like it, that, it strikes me as as a bit mad that his lack of sort of understanding of the tides and the currents sort of changed it. But who knows what was going on? Like yeah. at the end of the day, he could. It sounds like it was a really intense time of his uh, parliamentary career. Mm. So for all we know, like, I don't know about you, but when I go work out, it's very little on my mind. Yeah. I like focus purely on the task. Mm-hmm. So it, it could have been that he started swimming and was like, I'm just going to do some, you know, swim out and swim back. And he like started swimming out and then he was just like, suddenly like, oh, I fucking wasn't paying any attention. Mm. Like I was going through all this stuff in my head and I was just clear headed and I was just like zoom out. And then it was just like, shit, I'm in trouble. Yeah. At which point it was too late. Yeah. Um, in terms of the most fanciful though. And also don't forget, I think he was quite old at the time, wasn't he? Uh, I don't actually have his age here in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine he's maybe like you know, 60, 56. Well, the thing is actually no, because like he entered parliament. He entered parliament at 27. 27. And that would have been like back in the forties, I think. So yeah, like maybe pushing 50 or so. I I, see. I I honestly don't have that in front of me. I don't know for sure. But. Okay. Um. Let's see. He was. Oh, mate, he looked pretty old. Mm. Um. I mean, black and white photos. It was, oh, he was fifty nine. Yeah. Okay. So he was fifty nine, and it was nineteen sixty seven. Mm. So look, it wasn't that long ago, but to no. be sixty at that age is not young. Yeah. So, but he, for, but he also apparently like was in quite good health because of all of his like outdoor activities that he loved. I'm I'm certain, but the thing is, like you know, like. Something like an aneurysm or a heart attack or yeah. something like that could, yeah, could have just kind of happened. Yeah, that's true. Um, so it could have been one of those things where that happened or maybe even like, fuck, you might have even just had like a stroke. Mm. Um, no swimming pun intended there. <laughs> um, so yeah, look, I, accidental drowning is almost certainly what it's, happened to him. Yeah, it's got to be up there. Um, but for fanciful. Yeah, throw me I, out a mad theory. I wish I knew more about where the tectonic plates line up around that part of Australia, but the, the earth swallowed them up. Like yeah. it just opened up, you got dragged in, and then it closed. You ever heard of these things? I think they're called oxygen columns. I think so. Or air columns. Yeah. So in the sea where suddenly there's a massive rising um, rush of air, mm. and it basically just creates a non-space oh. in the ocean. Like there's no water in that space. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's just air. And they and for a long time, people theorized that's why, one of the reasons why, why things disappear in the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. And for the record, things disappear in the Bermuda Triangle at about the same rate as anywhere else. Yeah. Um, it was just... It's confirmation bias. It's all that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was a theory. I don't know if it's a natural thing that happens, but like if you've got something floating on top of the water... It would just like drop into that air? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. That, that's I it. mean, like, enough, so enough air huge. could displace the water. Sure. That's it. And yeah, um, yeah. so I wonder if, if, if there was an earthquake or a big enough tectonic shift, mm. could a big enough column of methane or something come up from there and just be like, whoop, and then someone just goes... Yeah, okay. So maybe my fanciful idea was not so fanciful, but the earth swallowing was probably a ridiculous part of it. I always I, I like to think that maybe it was like a Richard Burton style, Richard Bacon style. Richard Bacon? Francis Kevin Bacon? Bacon? Richard Bacon used to present Blue Peter. <laughs> so Francis Bacon. No, Kevin Bacon style <laughs> tremors. Like, I haven't seen that. Neither have I, but it's a film it about me. big sandworms. Oh, so okay. maybe like that kind of earth swallowing him up. A big sea cucumber got him. Oh my God. <laughs> are, are, are you familiar with hagfish? How no. have we managed to land on wet spooky things again? Um, oh, <laughs> yeah there's a convergence Look, here I, was where just, we're just I was just gonna... i was just trying not to do another episode on food well there's a convergence here where we're just going to become the borg and we're both going to have the same thoughts yes i know um, we're close but go yeah on. so hagfish are a um a kind of i believe lungfish mm. that um when disturbed or distressed secrete a kind of um a uh, i guess secretion's the best word that turns the nearby water into a very thick very slippery slime that sucks i hate it uh dude it's it's <laughs> disgusting yeah. and hagfish slime is like kind of a a, a a marvel because it's just like a very tiny amount of this stuff needs to get released to turn yeah like six feet in every direction into just a mess Jeez. it's insane let me guess people have used it as an aphrodisiac at some point 
I'm pretty certain people use it as lubricant. No, Ooh. I'm making that up. <laughs> okay. But hagfish slime, honestly, it's well worth checking out. Google it. If um, No, I don't want to. You're gonna. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. You're going to forcibly I, Google it for me. Well, you were talking about sea cucumbers and I know that they project like crap out of them and I was just only thinking of hagfish. Yes. Um, so yeah, just made me think about it. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Anywho. So that's the, the, the end of our story today on Harold Holt. Awesome. Hmm. All right. Well, thanks for that, Mike. That was um, welcome. That was enlightening because it's it, it is a story I am familiar with in the respect that I know it happened rather than mm. knowing the the particulars. Yeah. So or even um, any of the particulars, like I didn't know yeah, much going into this. Around, yeah. I was like, I'm gonna go get like maybe the next level of detail in, yeah. into the story. Like a lot of the stuff that I found was referenced from a single book that someone wrote about the disappearance. Yeah, right on. Uh, which would probably be a, a good place to, Do to you go and check that. Maybe. I think uh, Tom Frame, I think, might have been the author's name. I think it was basically just like the title of the book was something like The Disappearance of Harold Holt, like something like that. I don't have it in front of me. Acknowledging the source. Yeah. So, um, so what you're saying is the book wasn't the prime minister was a spy. No. Hmm. As I, I do kind of want to find that though now and see yeah. just how wild it Sounds is. Sounds insane. I'm really into that. Yeah. That's fair enough. All right, cool. Well, mm. before we do like a little wrap, mm. shall we do a little acknowledgement? Some thanks. Uh, it's, there's been yes. a couple of things. People, things come up at the moment. Like we're starting to get a little bit of traction. Um, a little bit fo- of recognition maybe. Um, yeah. Is I that think that's probably the closest with? way of putting yeah. it. Yeah. So I want to firstly acknowledge... Um, one um let's see let's see let's see um one is on our breakfast podcast a couple of yes episode 10 ago yeah um we mentioned the welsh word um keliog keliog yeah keliog yes and I said that there is one person that maybe listens to the podcast that does speak a little bit of Welsh that might be able to tell <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, you sent me a screenshot of this, actually. And he said, you guys were pretty good with your Welsh pronunciation for Kaleog. And I was like, that's amazing. And he said, uh, I said, I think I mentioned that you'd probably tell us. And he said, yeah, did make my day. Um, uh, but you didn't mention my name. And I was like, I'm really sorry. So thank you to John Black. John Black of Barry Island, Wales. Barry uh, Island is an amazing name. It's where Gavin and Stacey sit. Okay. Um, might not be called Barry Island. It might be called just Barry, but I think Barry Island's probably funnier and probably still accurate. <laughs> um, and also, I'd like to say, John, thank you for the review on Apple Podcasts that you left us. Nice. So thanks for that. Um, second one, I think you've got for us. Yeah, uh, our uh, we've got we've got a few uh, reviews on iTunes, which you know is still the as much as I wish it wasn't still the preferred way to review us. Well, it's, it's another one way for podcasts to. Yes, to get to, traction to get success, there. to be honest with you. Um, but we've got a review here from Maddie D. Mofo, uh, who says, great podcast for anyone who likes beer and banter. And then it's the little beers, like, clinking together emoji. Which I think is uh, alarmingly accurate. And I'd also like to yeah. say that particular gentleman has just had a baby. So congratulations mm. to Maddie D. Mofo for that. Mm. And thank you for taking some time out of your fatherly duties to leave us a review. Yeah. Apparently six people that. think we're a five-star podcast, and I tend to agree with them. <laughs> I tend to agree that only six people think that. Uh, no, that's really good. Like, I, yeah. it's, I think it's genuinely really nice that people are leaving us reviews. If you are enjoying it and you want to leave us a review, that would be absolutely smashing. So, yeah. Yeah, I honestly don't know if like other services have review stuff built into them. I genuinely don't think they do. Yeah. Um, so if you can jump on iTunes and leave us a review, that'd be really appreciated, and we yeah. thank you very much for Although, that. That being said, like, I having to do it through iTunes is probably the part of it that I hate the most because like. I, I don't have iTunes installed. I opened you know, mine because I, I've never really discussed this, this, this on the there podcast. Should, there should be a way to just do it in a web browser, but you can't. You have to do no. it through iTunes. Yeah. Now, very, very Apple. Yes. Um, I've never really discussed this on the podcast, but the laptop that I use only for podcast purposes <laughs> is absolutely fucked. Mm. Um, that's why I haven't got a new one because I didn't use it for anything. I've got a work laptop for work and I use my phone for pretty much all the browsing and I've got yeah, a yeah. gaming PC. Anyway. Uh, I opened iTunes on it the other day because I've got some music on there that I don't have. There isn't yeah. on Spotify, so yeah. that's what I was listening to. You know, some bands that have been cancelled and mm-hmm. some bands that just weren't very big. Um, <laughs> uh, no, 
So, uh, yeah, I was listening to something on iTunes today. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll leave us a review. And I was like, it's like, sign in. It's like, oh, fuck that. Yeah, <laughs> there's, so, there's so many steps to it. I was so ready to yeah. rot the system with my own opinions on me. Um, but yeah, off the back of that, uh, just to run through the, the social information. Yeah. Uh, if people want to get in touch. Beautiful or segue. Anything like that. Uh, across Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, you can find us at Hebrew Podcast. Uh, there's also the email address if you want to, you know, Send us some more personalized thoughts, maybe some uh, recommendations for beers mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Uh, th- things like that. Uh, is hello at heybrew.zone. Um, Pres- presumably we've not had it. any other emails recently? Uh, not that I've seen. Uh, it's a lot of like Twitter trying to suggest people that we should follow. Uh, and I, I, I think just I sent those. an email to it the other week. Did you? I don't, I, I don't remember seeing it. Maybe I just sent it to you directly. Yeah, I think you did. Probably. Yeah, yeah it was about like a stomping ground event. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, seeing a pattern emerge there yeah and as we were sort of talking about like iTunes reviews are still one of the main ways that podcasts get out there in front of people yeah um, we've got a few but they're always appreciated yeah absolutely and uh, yeah it's always cool to be able to get the message out to people that we don't necessarily know as well so yeah yeah I think we're like it feels like we're right on that point of almost reaching outside of our circles yeah. And that honestly scares the shit out of me. Oh, I'm, as, I'm as, soon, as soon as some stranger or someone I don't know that well comes up to me and says, like, I love your podcast, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to freak out in front of them. I might cry. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, I uh, uh, do know that the that I have a few people out there that have been mentioning it to other people. Mm-hmm. And um, I do know that uh, my friend Jazz has been telling the chap, Luke, that owns Black Sheep, to oh, have yeah. a listen. Okay. So he was talking to me about it the other day. So, yeah. Uh, don't know if he's listened. If he has, hi, Luke. Yikes. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. It's like a couple of times when we've tagged breweries and our social posts and stuff, a couple of them have like, you know, they've liked the post or something like that. And I, every time I see them, I'm like, ah, stop it. Uh, I'm excited. Recognition. I, I, at that point, it's just that I want to drop the, the eyes emoji. They're like, I see you emoji. Uh, <laughs> what's going on there? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so if uh, if you have friends that like beer or talking nonsense, recommend them. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the two things we do best. Yeah. Well, yeah. we do a lot of it. I'll say that much. And it's the, it's and the things I do best. Yeah, eventually it gets better if we keep doing it. I don't say we're the best at it. It's just no. the things that we do best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Well, I think that's it from me. Is that it from you? Yeah, that's pretty much all I've got. Awesome. Okay, well, thanks very much for listening. This has been Hebrew, episode 12. I've been Elliot. I've been Mike. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, if podcasts made money, I'd just do this. <laughs> yeah, they do for some people. Well, hey, if you'd like to be our Patreon, our uh, only Patreon. And pay me exactly this much a month. <laughs> <laughs> if you think we're worth Mike's salary. <laughs> well, no, our podcast isn't that good. <laughs>